0: hello everybody and welcome to it you are tuned into the abide podcast with your girl misha solanga now, we have been running the Psalm 23 breakdown for about two weeks. This is the third week. And the third episode has a little bit of a shift and a change, okay? So, just a heads up this one is not shot in my bedroom studio. <laughs> um, this episode was shot at church because I was preaching this very message that I'm sharing on YouTube as a series. I happened to preach the third episode at church as a sermon. So, You'll see it if you're on YouTube, you know, it's, it's the, the video is different. And if you're hearing it audio wise, you know, you can hear that there's some babies in the back. There is, um, amens and hallelujahs from the congregation, but we bless God for all of it. And I really pray that you guys are able to transcend the audio, you know, um, little things and just hear the voice of God and hear what God has in store for you in this particular episode. But from myself, I'm so excited to have you hear it. I hope you enjoy it but more than that i hope that you are edified by it all right guys see ya
1: i'm so excited to share today because oh god is so good let me not let me not testify
0: because
1: those of y'all who know will know that i hit 10k on instagram and it's only by the grace of the lord um you see you don't shout because you guys are not teens, so you, don't <laughs> you, don't <know. laughs> you don't know what that means <laughs> The so, you know You know, i sure you don't see the relevant and the that. But uh, we praise God for every opportunity to share his word, you know, and for every life that is touched. Because, you know, the Bible says that with one soul that is redeemed back into the kingdom, the heavens celebrate. So, our main scripture that we're going to be reading from now is Psalm 23, verse 3. Um, we may rise. I'll read it for you because then... Um verse three. I don't have to go through the, whole passage, the whole passage. But verse three specifically says he restores my soul. I'll say that again. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We may be seated. One thing about me, I love a good story. If I'm going to share something, I would like for it to be, I, I like a structure. So when I was reading this, I was like, Father God, if I'm going to break this down now for the congregation, you need to take me to a story where it makes sense. Why are we coming in the midst of it where King David says, he restores my soul. And then he then has a semicolon, the scripture puts a semicolon, and it says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, for those who love English, you know that a semicolon is there to join two independent sentences with the same train of thought. So they are two independent sentences, but they are going to the same case. They are interlinked. Why do I mention that? This means that King David was trying to tell us that the restoration of our souls is connected to the leading of our, for, for Jesus to lead us down paths of righteousness. Okay, bear with me. Walk with me through the soil. Now my first question to God is, why then do we, why do we need restoration? Why is it get in again now where we now need to be restored? What happened? Mm-hmm. And we took me back. He took me back to Genesis 3. You don't have to rise, I'll read it. Um, um, up above. So in order to understand why all of a sudden we need restoration to take place in our souls, we have to, we have to understand what happened initially. And then, so I'm like, okay, God, give me a story. Break it down to me so that I can break it down to everyone else. Yeah. Genesis 3, verse um, 1. I'm going to read verse 1 to about verse 6. Eating, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, This is the serpent. The serpent said, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Did he really? Are you sure? That doesn't sound like a good God, I know. (laughs) Right? Planting that seed of doubt. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor uh, shall you touch it, lest you die. Right? Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. Verse 5 is where I want to pitch my tent. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know that as it goes further, she ate from the tree, she shared with her husband. They now saw themselves and then they commenced to stitch the, the fig leaves and cover themselves. So in reading that, I said, good and well, Jesus, but why do we need to be restored? See, Genesis three recounts for us the moment which our souls became corrupted. Okay. Genesis three verse five, or that whole story, recounts for us the moment in which the enemy came and disrupted the original intent and plan of God for man. Amen. Right? Note in verse five where he says, For I for God knows in the day that you eat from this tree, your eyes will be opened. Now, it's safe to assume, or rather even to say, that their eyes of their physical, the flesh, were open. I mean, we see in verse 3, chapter 2, where Adam sees the animals, he sees the trees, he names them, his wife is made, he sees her and he calls her the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. Yeah. So it's safe to say that he could see physically. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's also safe to say that his spiritual eyes were also opened yeah. because we read um, in the previous chapter that God would come into the garden and would fellowship with them in the cool of the morning. That means that they could see God yeah. in His spiritual form because God was not man; He's not man. Yeah. That, that was not Jesus, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That was not Jesus. So the eyes of the flesh were open, the eyes of the spirit were open, but verse five he says, "There's another set of eyes that God didn't mean." or intend that they be opened.
0: Mm.
1: <clears throat> so which eyes is, is the serpent referring to? Because we forget as believers that the serpent knows things that we don't know because to us the things of the spiritual realm are, are, are kind of, you know, cloaked until God so reveals them to us. But he can see everything. Yeah. He tells what's going on there, right? So he says to them then, I want to open these eyes because when these eyes are open, I can cause a friction. I can cause a split. Mm-hmm. I can remove you from that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But Eve doesn't understand this. So he's referring to the eyes of the soul, which is often referred to in the Bible as your heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Ephesians one eighteen will say, "I pray that you're the eyes of your heart, aka the eyes of your understanding, mm-hmm. aka the eyes of your will, your desires, your emotions, your feelings, mm-hmm. are yeah. opened."
0: Yeah.
1: So I want you to know today that when the Bible speaks of your heart, it's referring to the soul area. Which is now open, as we read from Genesis 3, 5. So basically, what happened now is that Eve and Adam were able to perceive that which they could not before perceive. That which they had no need to perceive. Because in the original intent of God, everything was good. Everything was perfect. Yeah. There was no need for them to perceive the bad. Because God didn't create anything bad. God created all things. He created man, he created, he created Adam and Eve. And he said, All of these things are good. Yeah. So there was no need for them to be able to perceive the bad. And then the serpent came. And he said, You know what? I'm this
0: because
1: that's what it is. I'm going down, but I'm not going down alone. Yeah. So my. His eyes of the souls were were open. He knew. He was able to perceive. And he knew the damage that would cause. So he says, you know what? Let me cause some drama in this garden. Hmm. Right? So the opening of their eyes of their souls exposed them to a nature that God had never created them for in the first place. This is then why we need restoration of our souls. Because the fall damaged what God had intended. And King David then saying, he restores my soul, means that God is bringing back what the enemy took, what the enemy corrupted. At that point in time, God is now bringing back. So King David says, he restores my soul. Not he restored, and I like the way the song is written in present tense. It's like a proceeding word, Amen. right? It's written in present tense. He doesn't say he restored in the past. He says he restores, which I think is so important because every day we live, I know I need that restoration every Amen. day. Amen. He restores my soul. So King David now is basically foreshadowing or he's foretelling what Jesus Christ. Who is, because remember in the beginning, he establishes relationship between him and God. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So he denotes the type of relationship we have. So when we enter into this relationship with God, where we are able to recognize him as our our shepherd, Mm -hmm. as our Lord, as our God, it's then his responsibility. It's not ours to fix our souls. Mm -hmm. It's not my responsibility to fix those bad parts of me that are cringe. When I'm submitted to God, He restores my soul. Jesus came in the New Testament and died on the cross to restore us to the original design of God, which obviously included the restoration of those souls. Now, I said at the beginning that these two are independent sentences, right? But they have the same thought. So is the end of many and I was like, "Okay, God, what 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 are you what are you telling us here? You've told us that in the past this is what happened, and Jesus comes to restore our souls. But what does this have to do with our with us walking in righteousness? See, anyone who knows clan Igusha or who's experienced that whole life, and I've heard I've never experienced it for myself, but I've heard that Igusha are very stubborn. Sheep generally are stubborn animals. So now, God." Is being very humorous When he says We are sheep Right Because You can It's hard to lead a sheep Now He says to us He restores our souls Remember I said They're connected Bear with me He restores the soul So that he can be able To lead The sheep In the paths Of righteousness Are you hearing me The soul Has to be restored Before the shepherd Can lead In paths Of righteousness it's some versions that don't. I read a bunch of versions of Psalm 23, verse 3. And I saw a lot of them left out the part where he says, He restores my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> Mm-mm.
1: something's wrong here. Because now you're missing to find the fundamental part. Before the shepherd can lead you, your soul must first be restored. Amen. That's why even if the apostle Paul will then say, for, for, for seeing now, you know, old things, the old man is gone and the new has come. Because when we are in Christ, we are new creations. Yes. That newness is vital. Yeah. Remember in the Gospels, they said that you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. Yeah. That restoration is vital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to be restored. The, the Apostle Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians 1.18 for the church at Ephesus. And it's a very specific prayer. It's a specific prayer, not praying for their outward walk. He's not saying, I pray that you walk, you know, when you are. He does say that in other books. But for this specific portion, he says my prayer in verse 18. He says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened. Mm-hmm. That it may be flooded with the light of by the Holy Spirit. So that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee to which God has called you. That you may understand the riches of his glorious inheritance yeah. in the saints and when i read it i was like this is a prayer of restoration mm-hmm.
0: Amen.
1: this is apostle paul praying for restoration of the souls of the saints mm-hmm. so we said in the church as believers because we spoke we're talking to the church right we're talking to the body of christ we cannot be in the church Operating with souls that are not restored. It's not gonna it's not gonna go. Mm. And you know when we look in the church and we see a lot of friction, we see a lot of people pulling one way and the other, people developing new doctrines and new theology and all of these things that are not in line and in alignment with the word of God, it goes to show us that the souls here are not restored. Yeah. Because if you're doing something that is in contradiction with the word of God, you're not being led by God. Mm. I think I'm not sure. I think it's in Romans where he says, um, "For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, of, sons God. of God." Yeah, it's Romans, it's Romans uh-huh. right? So if we see that there is a, a movement that is in contradiction or that is contrary to the Word of God and who God says He is, there has been there's, there's a mist, there's a fundamental miss or gap that has happened there. Yeah. The soul was not restored. So Apostle Paul comes in and he says, "You know what? That what i get getting of but I pray yeah. that." The very center and core that your soul, that the eyes that were never supposed to be opened, but now that they are, I pray because okay, let me let me maybe some people are like, this so what do you mean with the souls? What I said, the soul is your, your your heart, it's your emotions, it's your world, it's your desires, it's your passions, it's those things that make you feel like mm, I'm me, you know, when 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 you're annoyed. This, this happened to me. Was it this week or last week? Something happened and I just got really annoyed. I was so annoyed. I wanted to be petty and email people. And and that was my soul area. It just, it's self-gratifying. I feel this way. So my actions are justified because I want to make myself feel some. Do you know what I mean? But the spirit of God is like, but no, that's not how we react to situations. Mm-hmm. Just because you feel a certain type of way doesn't mean now you must act on it. Yeah. And that's the spirit of God regulating the soul area. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the soul will rise up. Oh, it's Apostle Paul. He says, he says we have the power to take into captivity, oh, yes. to subject every thought, every behavior, every emotion, every feeling. So we have the power to subject the soul that is now opened. Right? So what the devil meant for evil, God already had a strategy to fix. So when Jesus died and restored, God gave us the power, he, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, yeah. right? And and this, ooh, um, we like dominion, and the word just came up to me. Dominion is good and well outside, but dominion doesn't happen in your, in your sphere of influence, unless what it happens to you. If I don't have dominion over my soul area, because my soul area influences what I do, if it is in power. If my soul area is elevated above my spirit man, That is connected to God, problems. Because then I'm going to be swayed. You know that scripture that says, Do you not move by every wind of doctrine? Mm -hmm. It's like in life when every little thing moves you. It's because you're governed by your soul area. Your spirit man has not risen up. You have not fed it enough and given it the strength to be able to overpower the soul. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And God says today, I think as believers, ooh you know what's happening right now in the world there's this move of um, so a lot of people are deconstructing I don't know if you've heard the term yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of believers especially young people are deconstructing and this concept of deconstruction is they are breaking down the faith because they are trying to get away from legalism and you know it's yeah the legal the legalistic mindset and the fundamental beliefs because it's so it's so strict and it's not free you know but the issue with this deconstruction is that people are deconstructing outside of Jesus yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: No, deconstruction is good. Jesus, if you read about it, Jesus was actually teaching the people to deconstruct from the law. He says to the Pharisees, you guys are so overwhelmed and want people to wash their hands, but your heart is a whitewash tomb." So he's telling them in that, basically, deconstruct this legalism you have and focus on on me. Because I'm what matters. The heart is what matters. The soul Anyway, but people are doing this whole deconstruction thing. And the reason behind it, I find, is that it's because the souls are empowered. Yeah. The spirit man is not empowered. Because the spirit man will be able to inspire and lead you to be able to deconstruct these churchy... It's called churchy identity, church culture. Church culture, which is religion. Which is forcing people to, to you know, they're not able to be free because of it. But people are deconstructing from the church. Not just the church, but also from Jesus. And that's the problem. Mm. Deconstruct from the church mentality, sure. But don't deconstruct and leave Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Your beef can be with the people in the church. But the beef should not be with God. And that's how we see that it's the soul that is elevated in this generation. People are moved by their feelings. They're moved by their emotions. Don't let your soul be in control. Because your soul's only managed since the Garden of Eden. is to move you away now. Because now you have... So you can perceive good and evil. So God comes to us and he says now, I'm here to restore that. Because I want you to operate in the power that I gave you in the garden of Eden. So when Apostle Paul prays, he says, I pray that your eyes of your heart, the very center, that have now been corrupted, that they may now be enlightened. So this enlightening, he's saying, since they were open and you see they were flooded with darkness. Right? In the garden of Eden, they fell into sin. Now we could perceive bad and, bad and good. Evil and you know All of those things And growing up Or being born In this day and age You are born With inherent evil In you Yeah, That's just the fact That's just the fact You're born Inherently evil And then Jesus comes in You receive him As your lord and saviour And his blood Restores Amen His blood But remember also You reap what you sow It is what it is The soul has been opened
0: mm. But here's the remedy
1: Amen. Here's the remedy that there must be an enlightening that takes place. What is this light that Apostle Paul speaks of? It's Jesus himself. Yeah. What's this light that needs to come into the soul? Because remember, darkness and light, they have no fellowship. Yeah. So when Jesus comes into the soul, the very deep core... He expels the evil that is in there. And that's the prayer that Apostle Paul is praying. He's saying our souls in this generation are evil. Our souls are self seeking. Our souls are wanting for us to do our own thing. But I pray that the eyes of your heart, in the midst of that, that the very center and the core of your being may be enlightened, flooded by the light which is Jesus through the Holy Spirit, so that then you will know. So that you will know. This thing is about understanding. This thing is about knowledge. It's about perceiving. He says so that you will know the hope. And who's the hope?
0: Jesus. 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 Jesus.
1: So that you will know Jesus, the hope. Because when we're in our souls, we can't perceive this hope. Do you know when you're down and out and life is like, it's really sitting here. It's very hard to perceive the goodness of God. Yeah and your soul moves if you're not if you're not strong in the word your soul will tell you all kinds of things you'll fall into depression you'll be anxious you'll do all of these things but the pastor because that's the soul area But Apostle Paul comes and he says But I pray in the midst of that I think whoever is suffering right now With your soul area And is being overrun with different thoughts And evil thoughts And just wickedness That is contrary to the word of God I speak this prayer over you Where Apostle Paul says I pray that the very eyes of your soul The very center of your core May be enlightened with Jesus himself Because no matter what situation you're in When you're enlightened by Jesus himself You are hopeful Amen it may not make sense but because your core is enlightened by jesus oh, yes. you see things differently you're able to perceive only the good and no longer the bad yeah. he says the paul then continues to say i think it's in ephesians this time where um, or, or corinthians where he says think only on those things which are yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: it's yeah. all connected once the soul is enlightened we now need to regulate the way we think we then regulate the way we talk which then regulates the way we behave it all starts in the soul area it's so important that our souls be restored it's so important that our souls be restored by the spirit of god especially in this generation where things are happening people are dying it's plagues it's pestilence it's disease it's wars It's the church being killed in Afghanistan. It's natural disasters. There's so many things happening that can dishearten a believer. It's so many things happening in the world that will make you as a believer be like, is there really a God? And that's what we're seeing right now in our generation. I'm seeing it in my generation. People are like, how can a good God allow all of these things to happen? But we know that our God is good because in the midst of the things happening, he said, I am here want to save you. Because the thing is, these things are going to happen regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you believe or you don't believe. Yeah. They are going to happen, but the hope of those who believe is that we are saved. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Psalm 91. Right? Oh, yes. mm-hmm. He who dwells. In the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say that he is the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust in the midst of it all. But if your soul is regulating you, you can't even believe that. We see the COVID. We see it ravaging people. It hurts. We see what's happening to the church out there. It hurts, but we stand in the word because we've been enlightened. So. Our souls have been enlightening mm-hmm. While we could perceive the bad mm-hmm. And allow the bad to put yeah. us down yeah. We choose yeah. to perceive the good yeah. We choose yeah. to see Through the light that is in us That is Jesus Christ
0: mm-hmm.
1: So it's important That the soul be restored yeah. So King David in the first half He says he restores my soul mm-hmm. It's because God knows If he doesn't restore the soul There's mm-hmm. no point yes <laughs> you can there's a lot of people who come to church who call themselves believers but their souls aren't restored. Mm. Mm. the church is full of people whose souls aren't restored. Mm. I'm sure you know a few mm. who still operate in the old man but they are in a new season mm. how mm. they, 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 are, they are you, young know, young know. Sabbath, man. you know how um, it says I think it's in the book of uh, Matthew it's one of the gospels where when the seed is sown it falls on thorny ground People with unrestored souls are people with thorny ground. Sure. Oh, because remember what happens there? Elk, weeds, is that the seed falls, but then the weeds grow and they strangle it. Mm-hmm. So you can't even, because you're worried about the cares of the world, you can't even perceive the things of God because of their beauty. You're perceiving the world and you're not perceiving the word. We need to pray for enlightenment of the souls in this church. We need to pray because a lot of believers are woke. But they woke to things that don't matter. Yeah. Amen. We're woke to things that don't matter in eternity. It doesn't matter that you think the church is not doing right. We know that the church is just a vehicle for God to use for his kingdom. Mm. The church is not God. Mm. So, how are you deconstructing from God? Through? Guys, there's so many things happening. Yo, we need to pray so hard as believers in this time. But then he speaks of righteousness in parts of righteousness. I say we're breaking down Psalm 23 here. eh? Mm -hmm. We're doing an exegesis of Psalm 23. So we're going to flow in it. Now righteousness is simply being in um, God's, or being conformed to God's moral standard. Yes, Mm -hmm. To be right. Because our God is right. He's holy, he's perfect, he has no blemish. So when we say we are righteous, which in the past would have been a bad thing. Oh no, don't be self-righteous. No, no, no. We're not self-righteous. We are the righteousness of God. Yeah. Yeah. So that righteousness, because there is a worldly righteousness. You can be righteous in your own right. Mm-hmm. You can be philanthropic. You can give to the poor. You can do what you need to do. You can be like Bill Gates. Bill Gates is righteous in the world's standards, in the world's view. Yeah. He's a righteous person because he gives to the poor. He's doing things, you know, vaccines and this and that. But that doesn't matter to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because man's righteousness does not equate to the righteousness Amen. of God. Amen. Let me let, let me let me show you something. Remember the story of um, the wedding the wedding banquet. Yes. The wedding banquet, I think yeah. it's in Matthew Matthew 14 or 13. And what happens there is I want to jump to verse 9, where he sent out the invitations, yeah. and now the people are in. And that I think was on Friday where you reminded us that the wedding garment, the wedding um, banquet, is a reminder, you know, of the church being brought together with the bridegroom. You know, um, at this wedding banquet, everyone is there and they are seated. And there's one man that the master comes to and he says, "Hey, friend."
0: Yeah. Where's
1: your garment. You're not dressed accordingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't. You don't look like you fit in here. You're not. You're not for. You're not right. Yeah. To be here. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that, and I always wondered what was that about. And in Jewish culture, or his in that time, when you came to a wedding and you came in the door, the master or the host of the wedding gave you what to wear. You couldn't just come with your own outfit to someone's wedding in that time. You were given a robe. And Isaiah speaks. I think it's Isaiah sixty-one, where he speaks about the robe of righteousness. God adorns you with the robe of righteousness. See. He leads you in parts of righteousness. Not your own righteousness, but His righteousness. Yeah. Mm. There's a righteousness of the world that doesn't count for anything in God's eyes. But then there's His righteousness, which He gives you at the door. Mm. Who's the door? Christ. Jesus Christ mm. is the door. He says, I am the way.
0: Yeah.
1: And those who come, you can only get to the Father by coming through the door. Yeah. The door. Mm. Come to the door of this wedding feast when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, automatically, righteousness is imputed unto us. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: We are given a righteousness that is far, that far precedes the righteousness of this world. That is why we can in a generation that is full of lust, a generation that, that advocates for sexual pro- for just being provocative and doing whatever you want, as young when you're able to say that no. For I know that my body is the temple of God. In a generation where you can do whatever you want and you'll be fine, you can do, we say no. My God says what is good for those may be good for them, but not everything is good for me. In Proverbs, he says there is a way that seems right, but it leads to death. So, when he leads us to these parts of righteousness, we need to understand that this moral standard we cannot achieve on our own. That's why it's important that he leads us to it. Right? Once we've been restored, we cannot then achieve that moral standing with God on our own. That's why it's important that Jesus leads us to it. As I conclude, wrapping it up. I don't wanna set whoever free from the misconception that you have to struggle and work hard to be righteous. It's not you, you don't have to do all of that, because Jesus, as believers we do, we work so hard, we struggle, we strive for things that God would have done for us. Yeah. Like no, no, I, and I'm and you didn't give tell me, he, he. Like you're doing all of these things and you're binding yourself. You're not living in the freedom that God has called you to because you're trying to make yourself righteous where God says all you have to do is be submitted. That's the freedom we have in Christ. Is that all he requires of us is an open heart Mm -hmm. an available heart Mm -hmm. that says Lord do you. And when we say that you give him you actually give him free reign to rule in your life. Where God then says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You don't have to change your heart. All you have to do is say, God, I'm willing to try. God, this is hard. I want to stop doing this, but I don't know how. That's okay. Come as you are. But don't don't stay as you are. Allow him to transform you. Amen. Our righteousness is not enough. It won't get us in the good books of God. We have to be in right standing by his standard. Not the standard of the world. By his standard. Because the righteousness of the world is not good enough. Righteousness of the world is is, is actually quite evil if we think about it. Because in Romans 1 he speaks of how people will say evil is good. When God has left us to our own devices and is deserted to to our own sin, he says people are willing to say, but it's morally debased. We'll say, no, it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, good and bad is subjective. If it's good to you and you're not harming anyone, uh, Mm -hmm. that's what people are saying. But we know that there is a higher standard. Our God is the standard. Mm -hmm. So we have a responsibility to just submit ourselves to him and allow him to change us. When he died on the cross, he imputed righteousness. Right, and he doesn't give us. He's so good. He doesn't ask anything of us that he hasn't done. Again, he doesn't ask anything of you that he hasn't shown you before. When he says, "Be a living sacrifice," because this is what it is. Romans twelve says, "It is your it's your basic duty." Honestly, just be a living sacrifice. What that means is that as humans, every day we make mistakes, but we get up and we go back to the altar. Amen. that's the thing with a sacrifice that's not burnt or that's not dead. It can move. Yeah. But, blessed be to God who gives us the quickening of our spirits that says, hey, I messed up. I need to repent. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a show of the restoration of our souls Because someone whose soul has not been restored Won't even see the wrong in what they're doing So we thank God In this time for his goodness, And we thank him that he restores our souls And that he leads us In paths of righteousness Now let me close it off properly Because in the end of that verse He says for his name's sake So it's not about you He's not leading you in paths of righteousness For you He didn't raise up the nation of Israel for Israel. It wasn't about Jacob. It wasn't about Abraham. It was about him. Because the original intent was that the other nations would see the goodness of God over this one nation and inquire, who is your Lord? And in this day and age, he is trying to restore our souls and lead us in paths of righteousness. Because when the righteous succeed, guess who gets the glory? Amen. It, it, guys, it's not God's desire for us to suffer. It's not his desire for us to, to look sh- shady and undesirable. Because then where's the glory for him in that? But when we live in righteousness, remember, guys, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. So everyone who was at that wedding feast was righteous. That means that everyone in that banquet space was in the kingdom of God. And when we are in the kingdom of God, we are sons. Right? Amen. And what do we know about sons? That sons are given dominion. They rule on behalf of the Father.
0: Hallelujah.
1: So we need to pursue this righteousness. But we pursue it by submitting. Amen. We pursue it from a place of rest.
0: Amen.
1: We don't run after it. We don't chase goodness and, and all of these things. Because in the further down, he says, Goodness and mercy chase after me. They follow me. I have to do all. the freedom that is in Christ. May we dispel this notion that you have to work and and strive and please people and do this to receive the favor and the goodness of God. Because if we read Psalm 23 alone, we see that the things of God follow those who are righteous and who are subservient to Him. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen.